Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The Province Sports Podcast. White Towel Podcast. Patrick Johnson, Ben Kuzma, Paul Chapman is away. Hopefully we can survive this, Ben. How are you? Where is Paul? I don't know. I think he took some days off. He's been... Probably watching the premiership. Yeah. Liverpool. Liverpool. I've heard of them. I've heard of them. I thought you said no Liverpool missions. (laughs) Anyway. We brought ourselves together. Thought we'd talk, uh, you know, contracts, off-season, of course. I know you've uh, been talking with Mr. Benning. Are we free agents? No. No. You're restricted. I might be unrestricted. Yeah, you've you've reached that age. I might uh, be bought out. <laughs> yeah, watch out. Hi, Louis. Let's talk contract. I mean, there's sure. there's six guys I think that we look at that are RFAs. I mean, assuming they get qualified, and two guys that are UFAs. But let's let's start with uh, you know the big big names. UFA Alex Edler. Yes, no. Is he going to be a Vancouver Canuck next season? I'm going to boy I hesitated there. Didn't I, I know. I, I'm going to say yes. Uh, I, I here's the thing. I mean, you've got a guy. Who wants to stay here? I mean, the, the Canucks have that leverage. They have the hammer. I, I think the big thing is I don't think the money is going to be a big hassle. Term is going to be. I'd love I'd love to see Alex Edler here for two years. You know it's going to be three, but then it's the no movement clause. It's the clauses. I mean, that's, all that's, what, that's what yeah. it is, and that's what's keeping uh, this thing from being consummated early. We thought it might be done by now, but I think – you know, there's no rush here, and it's uh, it's in the, Alex's interest to to push for that, to make sure that he's not going anywhere, uh, that um, he finishes his career here. But again, from a Canuck perspective, when you've got a player who wants to finish his career here, who didn't want to be uh, waive his no trade at the deadline to go to a contender, who talked openly about that not being the be all end all, uh, you've got to make this work to your advantage. It's that that no movement which would yeah. you know make them have to protect him yeah. for make the Canucks have to protect him for the expansion draft. That to me is the real question. I'm sitting here thinking, if you're Alex Edler, you're not going to go sign somewhere else. If that, that's you're saying, I want to be here. So if you go to UFA, are you really going to go sign in Detroit or wherever you might end up looking at this summer? And from the Canucks perspective, I don't think you should worry about that clause. When you really look at that, but there's so many question marks at the back end. In terms of, we're not really sure about, you know, can Chris Tanev get through a year? We don't know what Yulevi's going to be like by training camp. I mean, coming off the knee surgery in December and having a back procedure the previous summer. He was he got off to a great start in Utica. Let's not kid ourselves. Uh, the first 18 games, he was on pace for 50 points in the A, which is pretty good in any league. But I'm really curious, uh, when I get, again, a guy misses a lot of time and doesn't train properly, is he really going to be ready for training camp? Edler, in the end... I think we'll be back as well. I yeah. think it's just that, like you said, I think it's just there's there's too much in the Canucks' side of things that say they want him back. To, I think Edler knows they want him back. 
Uh, but yeah, again, like I said, that that clause is going to be a sticking point. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I mean, maybe there's a way they figure a way around that. But and and again, knock on wood, if he can stay healthy, and, and people should not lose sight of the fact that you know, a reason that a lot of these guys get hurt on a regular basis, especially Tanev, is the back-to-backs, the minutes they log, the travel in this uh, part of the world is crazy. Those six and seven game road trips, it just adds up. So, uh, and again, when he was healthy, he played well. And I thought the interesting thing last year talking to Edler a lot was how he wanted to kind of carry on the legacy of the Twins and right. being a guy who's a little bit more visible in the room and taking a little bit more of a leadership role. And I, I really saw that this year, and I, I, I think there's something left in the tank. Besser, uh, you've written about this yeah. week. Brock Besser, obviously, is an RFA, um, no arbitration rights, so there's a bit of an advantage to the Canucks there. But, uh, you know, what, what are you thinking at this point having? I know you've sort of chatted with a few people around the story what what's your sense of what's happening there I think the Canucks are a little bit nervous I, th- I think they look at a guy who's you know already you know you factor in uh, the games he missed he's a 30 goal guy who'll probably push for 40 I think the Canucks are a little nervous about is he is he injury prone I mean all players go through adversity uh, he had he had the wrist then he had the back and the wrist was still bugging him he didn't really start training full out till middle of July last year so um I think he's healthy. Uh, I know talking to him at the end of the year, he's super motivated. I think what the Canucks yes. need to understand that uh, as great a guy he is, there, there's something that beats beneath the surface here. And I'm not, I'm not saying he's pissed off. I'm just saying that they, they started talking about you know, at training camp about what are we going to do with this extension. They, they wanted to get it done you know, as soon as possible, then moves into the summer. And quite frankly, I believe now we're in a scenario here where his agent, Ben Hankinson, may wait until the, all those other RFA deals are done. And we're going to training camp, much like a Bo Horvat scenario. And But, you know, if I look at you, look at the Nylander deal, uh, you know, the five years, uh, the what, almost 6.9 cap hit. That's right. I think that's a ballpark there. Um, here's what I think will happen. Um, Hankinson and, and, and Besser are willing to go long or short. If the Canucks don't want to buck up, if they're worried about optics, like Bo Horvat's supposed to be our highest paid player at the 5.5 cap it. I mean, come on. Don't let the optics, mm-hmm. you know, cloud things here. You're going to have to pay Besser. You're going to have to pay Pedersen. That's just the nature of the beast. Now, if they're worried about optics, that, that that's a real problem. And that's where uh, Besser's camp may say, you know what? We'll bet on ourselves. We'll take a short deal. We think that our guy's going to be at least a 30-goal guy pushing for 40. And guess what? In a couple of years, you're going to really pay. And now he's closer to unrestricted free agency. And if you're not a team that's moved the needle, he'll, he'll have options. I think that short-term bet on yourself question is a really interesting one yep. because you know I got the same sense as you I you know when I talked to him yep. uh, on media day there I just said you know I, I talked to him how did I frame it I said that back check in Arizona really really burned you didn't it? it really burns you right now you're really you've, you've been upset about that and he goes yeah absolutely without hesitation you know that there was that goal it was a you know he was just slow on the back check didn't put in a very good effort and and that essentially, I mean, that was the night the Canucks playoff hopes truly died. I mean, they've been a, a flickering, very flick, lightly flickering candle for quite some time. But that that was the night it ended, and it was on him. That was a goal that they shouldn't shouldn't have happened. He he was caught watching the puck, not skating back hard. And you really got a sense that he believes a light went on inside of him. That he all of a sudden goes, "Man, this is the NHL. I'm I've done pretty well. I can do a lot better." And that was sort of his motivation going in the offseason. First of all, no contract, but also just saying, I'm going to have a healthy offseason for, you know, really the first time in my NHL career. Last year was so difficult 
with that back injury and set him off. And he, first of all, had to get healthy again. He didn't get to really work on the sort of skills that he wanted to improve over the last summer. He's said that's what he wants to focus on this summer. I think that betting on himself question is going to be really interesting because, you know, here's a guy who's a 30, 30-something goal scorer. He wants to believe that he's a 40-goal scorer. And if he can make himself a 40-goal scorer, you know, in one season, all of a sudden, the cash rate is just going to be ringing yeah, next summer. and that's what I wanted to touch on earlier about, you know, as, as great a guy he, as he is, and he's always smiling, and he does so many great things in the charitable community and outside the rink. Uh, there's a fire burning in that belly. You mentioned the mistake in the Arizona game. I thought he got better in that respect in the second half. That's, you know, he's kind of a little bit one-dimensional. But people should understand that this past season was the perfect wrong kind of storm. You know, he never trained properly last summer. He wasn't allowed to. Came back eight or nine pounds heavier. We know he was slower. He tried to push it. It morphed into the groin injury. It morphed into an adductor strain and and a hernia scare. And he just never kind of got his legs under him. Having said that, down the stretch, I think we started to see better stride, hanging onto the puck, going around the net, looking for options. Uh, I think he started to gather that under him. You know, he could have gone to the Worlds. He could have gone with Team USA, but he was adamant that as soon as I take a break here and give the body a bit of a break, I'm going full bore. I expect him to come out of the gates blazing in the fall. Two guys I think maybe to be discussed in tandem, two other RFAs, Nikolai Goldolman and Ben Hutton, two guys that uh, I'm not sure if they have a role on the team next year. I certainly think Hutton is a bigger question mark than perhaps even Goldolman is. Uh, What are you thinking with those two guys? Well, I think with Goldolman, it's the fact that the left side's a mess in terms of, you know, the only real left winger we can speak of right now is probably Tanner Pearson having that late spurt with Bo and six goals in his last nine games. Uh, Goldobin, uh, quite frankly, uh, what they said to him at the end of the year about having a good summer. I, I see him. I'm of the mind that I think he's been given every opportunity and maybe he just is what he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, I think the Canucks are of the mind of, you know, if we give up on this kid, maybe he does go somewhere and turn it around. But I think the bigger problem is a lack of depth on the left side. You know, Sven Berchi's had five, probably now, I guess, six career concussions. Uh, that's a real concern. I couldn't find Ryan, or Sp- Ryan Spooner. Uh, that was not a great acquisition. Uh, Roussel's out till at least Christmas uh, with the knee injury. Schaller is, you know, was a shell of what he was in uh, in uh, Boston. And uh, Marcus Granlin's an RFA who probably is dispensable as well. So getting back to Nikolai Goldobin, he doesn't have any contract leverage. They're probably going to give him a short bridge, but I guess they're they're not quite giving up on him yet, and that probably speaks to more of the problems they have on the left side. A bit of a prove me, contra- prove it, oh, yeah, you know, that sure. kind of thing. What sure. about what Ben Hutton? I mean, Hutton to yeah. me, he's a guy that you know, obviously at least narrative wise, rebuilt himself, played a lot, played a lot of important minutes for the Canucks. Probably you know played too much. I think realistically, he's a guy that's uh, you know obviously good skaters, you know got good puck skills, not a terribly amazing offensive contributor did score five goals but that's kind of where he's going to top out I think uh, you know and like I said when he played sort of lower end minutes was better didn't look great when he had to play in that top pairing which was by necessity at times but I just don't know how he fits in in the future in this back end if, if Ole Ulevi's going to be a guy on the left side and Quinn Hughes is going to be a guy on the left side and they want to bring Alex Edler back it's hard to see how Hutton fits into that. And even their other guys in the farm are left shot guys too. So I, I I look at it like this. I mean, Ben Hutton did all the work last summer. He mm-hmm. basically got another chance. Travis gave him another chance because, quite frankly, he did the work. Okay, the, the key thing when you're running a professional organization is when a guy you think has, is, has reached his peak, that's when you move him. 
Yeah. Right? right. There might be a way of moving him. Maybe not so much one for one. I certainly see. I mean, I think you can address adding somebody on the back end through free agency. You can spend that money. You're not giving up an asset. But in terms of getting Bo some help on the right side, uh, if you're looking at a package deal here that includes Ben Hutton, I think it's doable. And, and again, that's nothing to take anything away from Ben Hutton. But I, I think he plateaued. You mentioned those minutes. I mean, when he was paired there with uh, Stetcher, uh, when Edler and Tanner were up, it, it was quite remarkable what they were trying to accomplish. But I remember doing a game in Chicago where Patrick Kane went around oh, yeah. Ben Hutton. Like, it yeah. wasn't pretty. And, yeah. um, you know, he's a, at best, he's a third-pairing guy. Yeah. And the guys coming project higher than that. So uh, there's no room at the end as far as I'm concerned. But we'll see. Let's uh, let's talk about one of your Saskatchewan boys, a guy that uh, obviously hit it off with everybody in the room, whether they're the media or his teammates, Luke Shen, who I thought was a s- solid number six guy, you know, knows what he is, knows, knows he can throw some hits there, can move the puck. Uh, not, uh, as we saw when they <laughs> played against the Maple Leafs, not the fleetest of foot. I think about that Kasperi Kapanen rush where Shen literally looked like uh, a battleship and Kapanen was a, a new age, new age uh, fighter jet or something like that. Uh, but, you know, a, a decent guy, good, good, again, those proverbial good in the room guys. What, what do you think about Shen? Shen seems like the Canucks would like to bring him back. What's your feeling there? My feeling is, depending on who they're playing on a given night, he's a six or a seven. Yeah. And you bring him back. I mean, I talked to him. I said, would you be willing to come, come back for a year? He said, yeah. He just wants to keep playing. And we heard what happened with Anaheim and, and the big fallout there, and he was pretty pissed uh, when he first showed up. And, uh, boy, near the end, I mean, I had the Shenometer going most nights and yeah. how many hits he had. And I see it runs in the family when you look at what his brother's doing in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I mean, a guy who brings an element that they're missing. And yeah, you're right. He's not the fleetest of foot. But you need, you need some guy who's going to bang bodies, a guy who's going to be – not waving a stick down low, maybe yep. lean on a few guys and come back at, at you know, like re, like a meal, like nothing, like yeah. coming back to give you some, uh, an element you don't have. And it's not going to be a tough deal to do. And he'll do it for one year, buys you some time to develop other guys. So to me, that one's a no brainer. Uh, last three guys, all sort of depth forwards. You've mentioned Grandlin already. There's Tyler Mott. And of course there's Josh Levo, who, you know, was a nice pickup mid season, played well, probably I think long-term is kind of a third line winger guy who does a lot of things really well. Uh, puts up some points, going to make your team better when he's on the ice versus when he's off. On a good team, he's a third-line left winger. On this team, he's what Travis likes. He can play the left side or he can play the right side. Until they get things figured out, he might play. He might be on the left side uh, with Pedersen and Besser to start the year or go on the right side with, with Horvat, depending what they can, can do in the offseason in getting Bo somebody to play with on that right side. And, uh, yeah, so Mott, what do you think is going to happen to Tyler Mott? I mean, I know that he was picked up for Thomas Vanek. He's you know, hustled hard, played fourth line minutes, scored, I think, nine goals, you know. See, I don't have a problem with him. I think he did exactly what yeah. they asked of him. And he's fast enough. He hits. He, well, he's leading the team in hits. Um, and I don't know what, you know, unless you had somebody you're really anxious to replace him with, to bring along. Like, it, it's so different now. You say, well, we're going to bring somebody along and start him on the fourth line and, and methodically move him mm-hmm. up. Does, NHL's not like that anymore. If a guy can, if you if you if you see a guy that slots in a certain position, you put him right in. So, fourth line right side. I'm not sure what they're thinking here. Would it kill them to bring him back? I say I don't have a problem with him. Yeah. I don't think you. But I don't think you have a. You know, you have a McHugh and you have somebody that you might want to bring along in yeah. that role. That that would be my only caveat there is that maybe yeah. as raw as McEwen was and as good a season he had in Utica, maybe you start him out as a fourth line. I think other than other than McEwen, there's yeah. nobody obvious yeah. that you know internally that's going to. And that's that where he might get a look. Yeah. He might get a look. Yeah. All right, folks. Uh, of course, uh, Ben has lots of stuff coming up with the forwards. I'm doing the defense 
here at problemsports.com. Please subscribe and uh, rate and review us on whatever podcast player you're listening to. We'll see you again soon.